Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 23rd, 2010. For newcomers to the show, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Help yourself to the hundreds of audios I've put up there over the years where I try to give you shortcuts to understanding this reality. I don't ask that you accept them. In fact, you probably battle against them as you wake up because it's hard waking up. You have preset ideas and conditioning and you go through these hurdles where you, that you have to get over, actually, or through one way or another before you can really understand the big picture of what's happening. And you have to swallow your pride quite a few times on the way as well because we've all been fooled. So help yourself to those audios. And remember, to all the sites listed on the front page are alternate sites too. These are all authorized sites, and they have the same audios for download. So if you find sticking on download on the com site, try these alternate sites. They all carry transcripts of a lot of the talks too for print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and take your pick from the choices offered. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. So if you want to keep me going, and I do give you uh, not the usual height and spin, I give you the facts. And the facts aren't easy to swallow, obviously. Uh, we've all been fooled, as I say. Every, every generation's fooled, and it's intentional, too. You can't control a world and rule them if you, unless you control them. And we've all had the same indoctrinations. So if you want to hear more of this, uh, keep me going by buying the books and discs uh, that I have for sale on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you do uh, you can use personal checks. You can also use international postal money orders. You can use PayPal to order. Just uh, use the donation button and then follow it with an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Some people just send cash. And uh, across the rest of the world, it's the same idea. You've got Western Union for a straight wire transfer. You've got MoneyGram, which can do wire too, I believe. But it also, it can, they can give you a check, which you can post. And it's a lot cheaper. Some people send cash, and others use PayPal again to to order. Just use the donation button, and I'll get out to you as soon as possible. If you supply with your name, address, and the order in a separate email. And remember, too, uh, donations are appreciated. It's getting harder to get donations these days because most folk uh, naturally want something in return. They don't realize they're getting these shows for free five nights a week, year after year. And um, that's the nature of the humanity as it stands right now. And that's why they're so easily controlled by those that made them this way and gave them this kind of system. And it is a system you're living in, and it's a system that isn't static, it's never static, even when they're introducing uh, a new system into society, and a new way of looking at things, or political correctness, or whatever, they're already working on the next step to bring out after that, because they know where they're taking you all, and the last ones that, that must, must not know are actually you, or you wouldn't go along with most of it. We like our traditions, we like our cultures, we like what's 
familiar to us, and we hate change. So remember, too, that the boys at the top understand this as well, and they've got it all figured out. They do it in a sort of gradualistic way, but they also use all of the arts on your mind, too. That's why you have a massive entertainment industry, and in fact, it's worldwide, giving the same updates, uh, generally starting off with um, things that normally, normally would horrify you because of your traditions and so on, and your normalities maybe, and they, they update you through comedies to start with, and then into regular movies, and then of course the ones who are the old-fashioned dinosaurs that didn't go along are always portrayed as the bad guys in later movies. That's how simple it really is. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, you're born into as I say, a system of chronology, I call it chronology, where it's a perfect science because mankind has been studied for thousands of years at least and their knowledge is never lost by those who rule. And even when they change hands from one emperor to another in ancient times, they would always make sure they got the big libraries with them too. And they didn't keep everything in one library, as I'd like you to think, the Alexandria one. They have many copies and so on, uh, just like today, and fail-safe backups and all that kind of stuff. Because you can't rule without having knowledge about human nature. And even pharaohs were taught that at, at an early age, how to rule over the people and how the people thought. Really, psychology, we call it today, and behaviorism. You always start with studying, so it's into behaviorism, studying the people themselves and looking at their habits, their traits, what they have in common, what traditions they go through, um, that their drives, uh, mating, all that kind of stuff. And, and then you find out how you can actually trick them uh, by simple uh, distortions of perception, if you like, or how to interfere uh, by using distortions of perception. And that's when you bring in different religions, etc., and then you rule over them with, the, with, with fear because everyone has the unconscious mind, as they call it. The unconscious is where your dreams come from, not the subconscious, but really it's a mixture between the sea where everything's possible, this heaving sea, as it's described, and everything that comes up into the subconscious mind, then sometimes to the conscious mind. If you have a nightmare and you wake up and you remember it for a little while, and then you have latent content and so on as it gets distorted uh, as you go through your day. But uh, this is really what they worked on. And, th- and this is an incredible study of wh- how we work and how we're motivated. And knowledge is never, ever lost. It's so imperative to have it. Today, with the data collection, it's much faster to transfer things as they're happening in real time, as I like to call it, with the Internet. And they have their pulse on everyone, basically, on the planet who uses a computer or cell phone or whatever. They're, they're constantly checking to, to make sure they have the pulse of the general public. Is this working? Is that not working? Etc., etc. And if it's not working, how can we make it work? And how can we get the public to do this, that, or the other? In ancient times, you found that some city-states uh, in, for the Grecian uh, islands, basically, and Attica, had traveling, and I'm sure it was across the Middle East too, in Asia, 
their traveling shows, drama shows, and people at one time had to attend by law these particular dramas because before they gave you the morality plays of religion, they used it in the dramas, and that's how the people really saw things. They'd mimic what they saw on stage, and they, they always gave them a human story they could identify with, that something that everyone would go through, and you'd mimic it, as they say, and bring it into your own experience, your life, by treating others the way that you were taught uh, to be, to, that, that you saw, you, or at least you saw people getting treated on the stage. And even music was very, very important to it all as well. So drama and the arts uh, have always been incredibly important for controlling the people, updating them, and all of that kind of stuff. I've gone through some uh, histories before where even the Aryan races, they, they're often called, um, were going through India from ancient times, and from their own histories, incredible histories of India. This is such an old, old subcontinent, and they do keep a lot of records too, and they talked about one prince that was given an area. They're all given different areas like any feudal system. Normans did the same thing. They'd dish out parcels of land and, and peasants to work the land uh, to everyone who worked for the... Had, had, I would call it really advancing the great work, as they'd call it today. But in, in India... The, once this one prince had to study the people. There's many, there were many different cultures uh, contained within India at that time, still are in fact, and he had his top, we call them psychologists today, anthropologists you might say, and they studied the people for a while. Then he came up with the perfect religion for that people to make them more manageable. It's, it's quite fascinating really, to study how they've studied us. <laughs> and... Um, Today, again, with all the techniques which are used, and techniques is a term I use often because you have to go into the science to to see what they mean by technique. To the average Joe, it seems like something rather simple, but it's far more in-depth and and, and complicated than you'd think because these are scientific techniques to make you behave or conform or to change all behavior according to the wills of those who master you in a certain way. It's not so difficult to say today because there's such a vast store of knowledge. And I've gone into some of the big uh, bigwigs that created the system we're now living in, this, this stage of it. And um, they talked about archives of history, archives of study, which are kept from even professors. I've talked to a few professors myself. And some of them are aware these archives exist, but one of them told me only one in about 80 will ever uh, get access to a real archive. And then, even then, only a partial part of a particular archive according to his field of study. So we live in a, a very controlled society. And even when you're, when you're young, you're taught, of course, that the world's at your feet. You can do what you want and you don't realize before you leave school or go to high school or university, you're already politically correct. You think anyone older than yourselves or definitely older than your teachers are somehow irrelevant. And every generation has been taught the same thing. Communists, for instance, used to tell all, all their followers, never trust anybody over 30. And then it dropped. It really dropped. 
And that was part of the cultural re- revolution that America and the West went through. We also have the, the, the cultural revolution that China went through under the, China, the, the communist um, regime. We don't realize it happened in the West before it hit China. And there were, there, there was lots of communists openly attending meetings in the streets and rallies and so on, seeing the same thing, never trust anybody over 30, then it dropped and dropped and dropped. And they gave you the teen culture where they'd create stars, uh, and the teenagers would again mimic the stars. He's now a star, he's very wealthy, therefore what he says must be true. And you got Bob Dylan and all the rest of these characters made stars put out there. Uh, and you think they, all, they did it all on their own, obviously, by their skill and talent. Well, it, it certainly didn't, and nothing's changed today. Nothing has changed today. Um, everyone's used it in their turn. There are many guys and who, who join groups thinking they're going to make it. As soon as the, if they make it, it's only because they've already copied a particular style that's been given out to them to copy. And, and then, too, uh, they're immediately surrounded by uh, guys, the wise guys, the guys who understand the whole score and who become the father figures to them and they tell them they're going to get awfully rich, etc. and they guide them. In reality, they sign their lives away, they sign their money away, they sign their royalties away, they sign everything away. And uh, for a while, they're allowed to live in nice, fancy accommodation. They're allowed to have everything a young guy thinks he wants. And, uh, of course, today it's, it's nothing but sex and drugs uh, etc. And they think they're living the high life, but once they get on a bit, they, they'll find out they've been ripped off royally uh, with all the royalties and so on. That's the story. Stars are made, is what I'm saying here. There's lots of people behind the scenes who to make a star. Lots of big money as well. No different in uh, the art of writing. Uh, either. If they want something on the shelves, it will get on the shelves. If they don't, it will never get on the shelves of the bookstores. Even supposed exposés. Every group is catered to. And therefore you've got to always uh, wonder and never swallow everything, at least not all of it, because you can, it's like rat poison, you, there's a little bit of poison in there, warfarin or whatever, and uh, the rest, 90 odd percent of it is actually a form of seed or seed extract. It's a poison that gets you. It's a spin that gets you. And that's also how the media works with us. There's very little truth given to the public by the media. The media is an arm of governance, an essential arm of governance. Absolutely. So that's my little uh, intro tonight. I wasn't going to go this way, but I did. I was going to go further into the culture at the moment and how it's already planned, where it's going. It already is going. You're in a transition phase between the Orwellian phase of brute force and threats by governments on their own people, which is essential to bring everyone through, and to get them to comply and be obedient to authority. I've read articles and a book called Obedience to Authority to show you how a lot of that works and how these are governmental techniques. Uh, again, back to techniques again. And you're, as you're going through it, you're, you've already been going through uh, Brave New World. It's interesting if you go through the correspondence between Huxley, Aldous Huxley, and George Orwell, uh, because back in the 30s, they, they used to exchange letters about how they f- saw the future coming in, uh, not because they were guessing, but because they both had the same kind of education 
and they'd both been given an insight by uh, people who did have access to the archives uh, as to what the world was, was going to turn out like. Orwell eventually spilled the beans to an extent as best as he could, and um, Aldous Huxley went on with, again, being the white man, he spoke with a forked tongue, as they say. In other words, when he spoke to the general public or he was on television, he'd always, he'd always preface what he was going to say by saying, uh, a small group of men with power and science could certainly run the world. Uh, and then, then his own peer group, of course, and some of those in, in Ivy League universities, he would become animated because he was all for this controlled society where they could literally breed the kinds of people and subjects they wanted to breed and run it properly, as they said. I'll be back with more after these messages. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, it doesn't matter what you say, you're going to get hammered by people because, again, people do put themselves into groups. They put themselves into uh, identification with groups. And as I say before, uh, we, we tend to identify our, our whole being eventually with some kind of group or other. It could be ethnic or whatever or religious and people don't realize their history, and if they don't know their history, then you've got to be very careful what you say to them because you'll become very, very angry, even if part of what they hold on to is already gone. And they don't like to hear bad news. No one likes to hear bad news. Uh, they want to believe, believe that their group is fine or their belief is fine, still fine, still the same as it always was, or whatever. And you get attacked for uh, simply trying to educate them on what's happened to them, why their religion isn't, what their religion used to be, etc., or whatever. And they're pretty vicious, some of them, too. But here's an article here, for instance, and this came out of uh, this World News. It's from Ireland, the Belfast Telegraph. And it says, victims of clerical sex abuse, that's the Catholic Church, the priests, it's not the, the people themselves, it's the priests, remember. But it says that the clerical sex abuse have re- reacted furiously to Pope Benedict's claim yesterday that pedophilia wasn't considered an absolute evil as recently as the 1970s. Well, maybe in his circle, you see, and in his vocation, which was already debauched uh, long before that, then to him it wouldn't be considered an absolute evil, you see. But in general society, believe you me, it, it certainly was and still is. It says, in his traditional Christmas address yesterday to cardinals and officials working in Rome, Pope Benedict XVI also claimed that child pornography was increasingly considered normal by society. Now, I've told you before, you've got to listen to some of these guys, even if you are abhorred by them, because he's telling you the truth as well. It is becoming increasingly considered normal by society, because so has everything else. The perversion has brought in to society. It's now it's pushed by everything from the top down, and it is but from the top down. When they mandate laws that you can't say something or can't even give your opinions on something, there's something wrong. And if there's something wrong, then you're you're generally right. 
about what you're saying. Anyway, it says, in the 1970s, pedophilia was theorized as something fully inconformed with man and even with children, the Pope said. It was maintained, even within the realm of Catholic theology, that there is no such thing. Listen to this. This is a guy, supposedly, who is fighting evil. That there is no such thing as evil in itself or good in itself. There is only better than and a worse than. Now, that's Kabbalistic for those who don't understand what he's saying. I remember reading, for instance, uh, um, some of the uh, the investigations into the uh, the the communism within the American society, especially within government, back in the the fifties and sixties, and you, you found some of this coming out then. In fact, and one of the women who was eventually she turned on the communists. She was a devout communist for many many years. She actually admitted that she'd turned hundreds of young guys, especially young guys, you might say, and advocated they went to the Catholic Church to infiltrate it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, she says. And that actually did happen. But it says here, uh, there's no such thing as evil in itself or good in itself. Again, Kabbalism. There's only a better than and a worse than. Nothing is good or bad in itself. Can, do you really understand that? Nothing is good or bad. And how would you like having your fingernails pulled out by torturers, you know, and, and stuff like that? It, it, it's, that's, it's not really good. It's not really bad. You see, the Pope said uh, abuse revelations in 2010 reached an unimaginable dimension, which brought humiliation on the church. It's kind of hard to put humiliation on something that, that, that's so soaked in filth over the years. And it has been soaked in filth over the years. How, how can you put humiliation on that? Something that doesn't know what humiliation is. At least the character is involved. And there are gangs within, high gangs. They run the church now. Malachi Martin came out with that. And he was hammered for it too. And then for those out there who've read uh, some of the other books put out by investigations into the seminaries, and the training that they had, it's, it's absolutely amazing and shocking to some. Uh, I think there was one, one was called Goodbye, Good Men uh, by Michael Rose. And um, if you do a, a Google search, you'll find his books and you'll find, I think it's a PDF too for download where he goes through um, testimonies given by priests of what they saw and what they witnessed and what happened. And literally, if you weren't homosexual, they weren't letting you in. That's how bad it got. It says here, asking how abuse exploded within the church, the pontiff called on senior clerics to repair as much as possible the injustices that occurred and to help victims heal through a better presentation of the Christian message. I think they got the message wrong when, they, when Jesus said, suffer little children. I think these guys wanted to make them suffer instead. You know? It says, we cannot remain silent about the context of these times in which these events have come to light. He said, citing the growth of child pornography, that seems in some way to be considered more and more normal by society. In other words, the excuse for it all is, well, it's normal now. It's becoming more normal now, he says. That's what he's telling you here. Now, I started off the show by telling you, literally, that cultures are created. And... Believe you me, they're elastic. They can make you go along with anything, as you'll see in your lifetime. Back with more after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the Matrix. Just going through one of the many things I've read over the years of amazing things coming from the mouths of popes and archbishops and bishops and so on as they justify and try to hide the damage they've done for an awful long time. And uh, all this really took off in a, a big way back in the, really in the 40s when they were infiltrating and then in the 50s. And the same one, but once, once they were in the majority, uh, brought out Vatican I and then two, and all, utterly, completely altered the church altogether. And uh, people are still going through their emotions today, and a lot of them don't even know what happened uh, in Vatican I and two, and so on, and what was the real intention of it. And here's a pope justifying uh, basically child pornography, pedophilia, and so on, because he said, and, and he's, he's trying to justify it by saying there's no real good or evil. And I guess it's how you view it, just like the Kabbalah. And um, someone always benefits, it's generally the perpetrator. But uh, this is what he's saying, and because it's more more normal today, he says, it's, it's pretty well okay. But it says here, um, outraged Dublin victim Andrew Madden last night insisted uh, that child abuse was not considered normal in the company he kept. Mr. Madden accused the Pope of not knowing that child pornography was the viewing of images of children being sexually abused and should be named as such. Now, the Pope isn't that dumb. He knows exactly what it is. He said, that is not normal. I don't know what company the Pope has been keeping for the past 50 years. Well, he's the Pope. Pope Benedict also said sex tourism in the third world was threatening an entire generation. Now, that's also true now. That is also true, and um, but he's using it as a justification for what they've done in the past and what they're doing today. And it's no secret, too, that um, uh, the boys used to go over to Haiti uh, for little, to pick up little boys who would go around the tables in the restaurants and so on and offer themselves for peanuts. And then they went to Thailand, of course, and other places, too, which are very popular today with segments of society. But it says here, and that's also a comment on society in itself, isn't it? Because as I say, you see, that kind of thing would have been not just frowned upon, but pretty well unheard of a hundred years ago, or even less. Sex tourism. Angry abuse victims in America last night said that while some church officials had blamed the liberalism of the 1960s for the church's sex abuse scandals and cover-up catastrophes, Pope Benedict had come up with a new theory of blaming the 1970s. Catholics should be embarrassed to hear their Pope talk again and again about abuse while doing little or nothing to stop it and to mischaracterize this heinous crisis, said Barbara Blaine, the head of SNAP, SNAP, Survivors Network of those abused by priests. Even to have an organization like that, I mean, isn't that sad in itself? It is fundamentally disturbing to watch a brilliant man so conveniently misdiagnose a horrific scandal, she added. He knows exactly what's going on uh, and what has been going on. The Pope insists on talking about a vague, broader context he can't control while ignoring the clear, broader context he can influence 
the long-standing and unhealthy culture of a rigid, secretive, all-male church hierarchy fixated on self-preservation at all costs. This is the context that matters. Well, believe you me, uh, and I've, I've seen this happen, it's no different with in any other church, by the way. It's all the same across the board in society as well. And in other churches too, uh, when the women go in as well, it's generally the women who are also inclined to go for same sex, etc., etc. as well. So changing genders isn't going to change much at all, just the victims. That's it. That's it. So culture is plastic because the, the public and the children, of course, who are heavily indoctrinated now, as soon as they walk into kindergarten and then they're into junior school, uh, they, they don't have much of a ch- They'll take whatever culture is presented to them as normal, and they use all kinds of, again, techniques in school to make sure that it, it is so. You don't get your little bit of paper on leading school unless you've been quality approved by those who rule the system. That's what the paper represents. You can now go and work in their system. You're not a reject. If you're a reject, you see, you'd already be quizzing and asking questions which they don't like in school. And it's all groupthink today anyway. And these sciences were really discoursed upon hundreds of years ago, how to control the public, how to create cultures, destroy cultures. And, of course, the easiest thing is to destroy it. You again, study it again, see what holds it together, put customs, laws, and social laws especially hold it together, and then you simply attack them and attack them and attack them and get them and actually familiarize them with the deviancy, whatever the deviancy happens to be. And that's what Hollywood, of course, has been famous for doing as part of its job. And the media is also in bed with it because it's, it's worldwide. The media is, is a, an essential part of governance and conditioning you for the next step and the next step and the next step. Now, Plato and others also talked about how important the fashion, and he called it industry in the translation, uh, was as well in ancient times. So they had drama, music, and the fashion industry. And people think that, uh, again, with the presentations on television, with these strange characters who um, like to design women's clothing, um, it's just astonishing that people don't still think they're independent and separate from each other and all the rest of it. But um, no, they're not. There's, there's always a, this is how it's to be. It's no different in music. This is going to be the, the, the way for 20 years, 5 years, 10 years. It's going to be blues. It's going to be bluegrass. It's going to be this, that. It's going to be rap, blah, blah. That's how it, that's how it is. And same in the fashion industry. That's why you got the miniskirt coming in at the same time as the pill was given out, folks. It was no coincidence. Anyway... He's the fashion industry from the Telegraph, and it says, um, it says here, masculine suits spread like wildfire. There's the headline. This is a handout, obviously, because it's, it's meant to grab you as a normalcy right away. So masculine suits spread like wildfire. This is for women. They say that three's a trend, but six masculine suits in a week. That's a full-blown movement. This is written, obviously, by um, PR specialists, public relations marketers, and... And just basically put into the paper, Leighton Meester was almost unrecognizable as she chose an androgynous look at the Gotham Independent Film Awards 
in a charcoal colour designed by Tom Brown. Oh, Tom Brown, eh? Uh, Leighton Meester was almost unrecognisable. She'd chosen... Oh, yeah, wait, let's see again. Step away from the party dress. If you want to make a style statement this Christmas, you need to think about investing in a masculine trousers suit. Spotted on no less than six starlets in the past week alone. And I think that's a coincidence. You see, you follow the stars. You can't think for yourself. You have no pride in yourself. And you can't even go by your own thoughts or convictions. In fact, you might not even know what your convictions are anymore. They're always in flux. That's what they do, you see. From the top, you follow the stars. They give you the stars to follow. And so there's six starlets, uh, just like Bernays, of course, with his smoking. For He got some of the celebrities in his, his day and a big, massive parade, basically festival, and uh, had them pull up their skirts and show their cigarettes stuck in the top of their nylons to make it all sexy, to make them... Uh, for a fashion statement, he said, supposedly. And, of course, he got millions back from the tobacco industry for doing so. But he got them all smoking. It made it a sexy thing to do and a masculine thing to do. You're now competing. You're doing it all yourself. This was women's liberation, yada, yada, yada. Even though Bertrand Russell said years later that women didn't fight for liberation. They didn't win anything. Science gave it to them through chemistry. And that's so true. Anyway... Uh, six starlets uh, sport this stuff. The trouser suit is squeezing out the generic red carpet frock and staking its claim as a stylish option for the more fashion-forward celebrity. So obviously you you want to copy them. You don't be left out in the cold, do you? Mm. So, you know, uh, it goes through the usual rubbish uh, of how they looked, yada, yada, yada. And then word quickly spread around the globe to Australia, where Lara Bingo showed up in the GQ Men of the Year Awards in a black suit and white shirt, accessorized with a black ribbon necktie, etc., etc. And I won't read any more of this rubbish, but you see how it's simply, simple it is to do this and give you your beliefs, to give you your behavior, because you are given your behavior in every era. And how you dress, and even what songs will you, you'll sing in your head, or whistle. I don't know anybody whistles anymore. It's kind of hard to whistle into your cell phones. It sounds all blurred, I think. But anyway, that's how easy it is to do what is done. And opinions, too, um, are, are changed very, very quickly. Um, I think Jack C. Lowell said people don't really consciously think through things they actually do it through a form of osmosis. They hear the experts prattle away and it sinks into their subconscious without going through any formal process of reasoning or critical analysis. And then it becomes their opinion, especially when everyone around them adapts and adopts that opinion so quickly too. That's how it's really, really done. And I've talked before this week and uh, the last maybe couple of weeks on Bertrand Russell, who was a big player in all of the, this phase that you're going through today. And he literally, uh, amongst with others, again, the Huxleys and all the big players of the time who did write about it and were not complaining. They wrote because they, know, they knew that most folk would never read their stuff anyway or even know what they're really getting at. And um, you find that... You, this is what he said in the Scientific Outlook. Um, 
He says, the care of infants, this is for the time we're coming, we're already in, been in for a little while, infants intended to belong to the governing class would seldom be left to the mothers. Well, that's the way it is with them. They're set off. They get special nannies. Now, mothers would be selected by their eugenic qualities, and these would not necessarily be the qualities required in a nurse. On the other hand, the early months of pregnancy might be more burdensome than at present since the fetus would be subjected to various kinds of scientific treatment intended to affect beneficially not only its own characteristics but those of its possible descendants. By the way, when you think of um, scanning the fetus with microsound uh, in the womb, I've gone through the articles uh, about that too, they made it a trend again. You pass, you know, let's see the fetus in the womb, mummy, and she she goes all over the internet, and um, how it heats up the brain of the, the the baby because fetus really is just a baby, and uh, it can cause brain damage. So there's obviously a technique for the masses as well. Anyway, um, fathers would of course have nothing to do with their own children. Well, that's we're here already. This was written in the 1930s. So he's already planned this phase. He didn't do it himself. He didn't learn this by himself either. He was a member of an elite, a multi-generational elite. And he was specially bred for his task and taught for his task as well. It says there would be, in general, only one father to every five mothers. Well, you've seen that with artificial insemination for the last 30-odd years. And it's quite likely that he would never even have seen the mothers of his children. That's just what he said. The sentiment of paternity would thus disappear completely. Probably in time the same thing would happen, though to a slightly less degree in regard to mothers. If birth were prematurely induced and the child separated from its mother at birth, maternal sentiment would have little chance to develop. Now I read an article a couple of weeks ago, three or three weeks ago, where uh, that's how they've, they've actually um, got the chickens in the coops now. They actually altered the brain, genetically altered the brain and the offspring, so they keep producing their, their kind now, and there's no bonding between the mother and chicks. You think you can't do that to humans too, through chemical means? It says, amongst the workers, it, was, it is poss- probable that less elaborate care would be taken, since it's easier to breed for muscle than to breed for brains, and it's not unlikely that women would be allowed to bring up their own children in the old-fashioned natural manner. There would not be among the workers the same need as among the governing the governors for fanatical devotion to the state, and there would not be, therefore, on the part of the government, the same jealousy of private affections as bonding. Among the governors, one must suppose all private sentiments would be viewed with suspicion. That was put into 1980, 90, uh, Brave New World, I should say. A man and woman who showed any ardent devotion to each other would be regarded as they are at present, regarded by moralists when they are not married. There would be professional nurses in crutches and professional teachers in nursery schools. We've got all that now. But they would be considered to be failing in their duty if they felt any special affection for the special children. Children who showed any special affection for a particular adult would be separated from that adult to make sure there's no bonding, you see. That's how you bring up a psychopath, too, with psychopathic personalities. No bonding, no affection, so on. Ideas, ideas of this kind are already widespread. They would be found suggested, for example, in Dr. John B. Watson's book on education. The tendency of the scientific manipulator is to regard all private affections as unfortunate. Freudian's, uh, Freudian was quite a character, too. He, 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 he 
took God from his elevated position and put it below his belt, you know. He had a fixation down there. Anyway, and, in, you know, and taking drugs all the time. Anyway, have shown that they are the sources of complexes. By the way, that's how they bring, that's why they bring a, a, a Freud or a Darwin forward in time. And again, make a star out of, uh, and making stars out of scientists, of course, that was very important, uh, who speak uh, with authority, even though they're talking a lot of nonsense. But if it fits the job, it does the job at the time, that's all that matters. Administrators realize that they stand in the way of a wholehearted devotion to business. The church sanctions certain kinds of love while condemning others, but the modern ascetic is more thoroughgoing and condemns all kinds of love equally as mere folly and a waste of time. Now, his pal, uh, uh, Julian Huxley, the head of UNESCO, the guy that was to give you the education for the world, for the children, uh, said the same thing, uh, that um, they'd encourage basically um, and separate uh, the, the sexual aspect from any bonding is separate completely, and it really work on that. Well, that's been done today. Uh, it's just high, and I, they should say bang, bang, thank you, ma'am, and, and that's it. Uh, that's where you are today. And it's interesting, too, since all these guys love Plato's Republic with a guardian class of rulers, um, when you think about it, too, because Plato also went through these kinds of things where all women would be in common. And if you understand how you perceive things, when all women are free and easy, uh, they are technically in common uh, for, for the whole of the male society. What would we expect of the mental makeup of people in such a world? The manual workers may, I think, be fairly happy. One may assume that the rulers will be successful in making the manual workers foolish and frivolous. Work will not be too severe, and there will be endless amusements of a trivial sort. And that's what you've got on television and sports and all that stuff and soaps and movies. Owing to sterilization, love affairs need not have awkward consequences so long as they're not between a man and a woman who are both of them unsterilized. In this way, a life of easygoing and frivolous pleasure may be provided for the manual workers, combined, of course, with a superstitious reverence for the governors instilled in childhood and prolonged by the propaganda to which adults will be exposed. That's how it's done. You see, you put an imprint in childhood. These are special people with the suits and ties who rule your country, etc. And you give them reverence from then on because the media will just reinforce it for the rest of your life. These are the guys who bring you war and see weapons of mass destruction. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the Matrix, reading some of uh, the scientific outlook by Bertrand Russell to show you that it ties into with the article I read earlier about the Vatican and the Pope and the masculine suits and the culture industry and all the rest of it. And page 258, says, In such a world, though there may be pleasure, there will be no joy. The result will be a type of displaying the usual characteristics of vigorous ascetics. They will be harsh and unbending, tending towards cruelty in their ideals and their readiness to consider that the infliction of pain is necessary for the public good. Do you understand what I just read there? He says, um, they will be harsh and unbending. This is the ruling, uh, the ones they hire and so on, working on us now through this phase of it. Tending towards cruelty in their ideals and their readiness to consider that the infliction of pain is necessary for the public good. Well, we've had nothing but torture, torture, torture. They made movies about it too, where they torture someone and it saves the day, of course, for the information. 
I do not imagine that pain will be much inflicted as punishment for sin, since no sin will be recognized except insubordination and failure to carry out the purpose of the state. It is more probable that the sadistic impulses which the asceticism will generate will find their outlet in scientific experiment. Well, we're all getting experimented on now. We're just cattle, you see, and animals. We're no different than any other animal, so they can do what they want with you. And you already see it with fetal tissues. You see it with with um, uh, bodies hanging in wires, plasticized at shows, etc., since the advancement of knowledge will be held to justify much torture of individuals by surgeons, biochemists, and experimental psychologists. I've gone through some of the articles here where they were experimenting, even putting um, plutonium into uh, blacks in America, claiming that they had cancers, which they didn't have, so they could see what would happen to them. See, we're just experimental beings now. We're, there's nothing holy about you or sacred about you or anything else, you see. As time goes on, the amount of added knowledge required to justify a given amount of pain will diminish, and the number of governors attracted to the kind of research necessitating cruel experiments will increase. So it's going to get worse and worse and worse, you see. As we, I mean, remember, too, every government now has their unelected panel of scientists on board, like John Holdren, that wants to kill most of you off. And they're quite serious about it. And there's just a continuation of the same group that Russell belonged to. Just as the sun worship of the Aztecs demanded the painful death of thousands of human beings annually, so the new scientific religion, and it is a religion, by the way, experts, it's religion, will demand its holocausts of sacred victims. And you're going to see them starve a lot of folk to death, too. Uh, gradually, the world will grow more dark and more terrible. Strange perversions of instinct will first luck, lurk in the dark corners and then gradually overwhelm the men in high places. Well, they're all into weird stuff, is all, that's all I'll say. Sadistic pleasures will not suffer the moral condemnation that will be meted out to the softer joys since, like the persecutions of the Inquisition, they will be found in harmony with the prevailing asceticism. So... That's only part of it, of course, and they even go into what, what, what will happen eventually in a breakdown of that system, but they also have the next part worked out to take over. So you see, you're living through a script, folks, and it's a script that one man didn't write, and lots worked on it, that they were already descended and descendants of a ruling class. Uh, they're always taught there's some always bumbling fools in these classes, but they're not bumbling fools at, top, at all at the top. Because one out of every ten of their offspring isn't so retarded or defective because of inbreeding. They actually have this incredible psychopathic ability to see us as nothing more than amoebas to be used. And that's what we're going through today. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.